First and Goal with Brian Weber and Nick Ferguson is live 1 to 8 p.m. every Sunday throughout the season. The NFL is on. Tune in. Now let's take you around the league. Bring in my good friend and NFL No Huddle co-host Cordell Stewart. Join us tomorrow every weekday 4 p.m. Eastern for three compelling hours of NFL conversation. Cordell, we're going to be talking a lot about the Cowboys. What happened to their offensive line today in Atlanta? Dak Prescott sacked eight times, and they simply could not run the football without Ezekiel Elliott. Well, you can't do anything when you don't have your star left tackle and Tyron Smith. Uh, you have Chaz Green moving from the left guard position to play on the outside, and you end up getting an opportunity to see Adrian Claiborne have a five-sack day, two less than the great Derek Thomas of having a record of seven sacks in one game. I mean, it's tough to get over that portion, and then you add on to that not having Ezekiel Elliott. Now, understanding that portion of it, the down and distances was what? Second and 15, third and eight, third and 10, second and 17. I mean, the quarterback was running for his life. There was no rhythm. Coach Lanahan wasn't able to come up with a different philosophy to play to the strengths of what they do on in, on this particular offense because when you have Chess Green at the ta- at the at the left tackle position as well as we all knew that that um Alfred Morris would end up being the tailback I mean you have to change it just a little bit and I I just remember hearing Dak Prescott mention you know we we're not going to change what we do we're going to continue to do what we've been doing and honestly when it's all said and done in the end this one-two punch between Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott is one that has to be respected. And at the same time, you take out one of those offensive linemen, particularly on the blind side of the quarterback, you'll end up seeing five sacks by one player throughout an entire game. And those sacks was I think they got to the point where it was the it was the latter part of the third quarter. I think they may have had three minutes and thirty something all seconds left, and there was a flasher, a ticker came across the a flasher came across the screen basically saying that Adrian Claiborne had five sacks already and the game wasn't even over with. So uh, it was one of those type of days. Atlanta took advantage of their weaknesses and uh, they were pretty much exposed because guess what? They have the E-A-G-L-E-S Eagles coming up pretty soon and that team is not taking any prisoners figuratively and they are playing to try to win that division. So this is a must win for Dallas coming up in this next game, which I think will be very hard if they come with the same approach they had tonight. Cordell, watching this game, you know, I felt sorry for those tackles for uh, the Dallas Cowboys because it reminded me back when Oprah Winfrey would have her show and she would give away things, it was like, you can have a sack, you can have a sack, you can have a sack. But right. mo- mo- moving forward with this Dallas Cowboys team, and we talked about it on the No Huddle Show on Friday, I, I thought Jason Garrett would utilize all three running backs, Rod Smith, Darren McFadden, and Alpha Morrison, somewhat better than he managed them today. But h- h- you played the quarterback position. How do you not find other ways to get these guys involved and even utilize the, the screenplay to take the pressure off of Dak Prescott. Yeah. The pressures they were getting was, was mainly off of the edges. Uh, I mean, you had, you had Adrian, Adrian Claiborne. I mean, he was as wide as, I mean, almost to the sideline. Wide nine. Uh, wide, super wide nine. That's why I said to the sideline because it was wider than that. And he was pinching. He was causing that, 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 that tackle on the left-hand side, Chaz, it forced him to the, the pocket became condensed really fast because he was coming from such a wide, a wide uh, from a wide angle to the point where it became really bad. But you know, my thing is, is is when you look at how they actually was playing this game, you would have thought 
that the starting lineup was in there. You would have thought uh, Tyron Smith and, and, and also Ezekiel Elliott was in the game. And, and my thing is, is if you cannot make the adjustments, you know, you will get exposed. And this is one thing I asked one of uh, the beat writers there in Dallas this week while we're on our show, No Huddle. I said, this offense is a key component to what the defense cannot do. In other words, the offense is the greatest defense in the National Football League when they're running the football consistently. To help with what you were asking, for as all three running backs getting in the game, using it by back by committee, if you can sustain long drive, if you can extend drives, that'll keep your defense off of the football field, which I think with Ezekiel Elliott and also having Tyron Smith as the left tackle in, you, you end up not seeing this defense get as exposed as they got exposed today as well as this offense. Because I think this defense, when creating the seconds and 15s to the second and 17s, now you're forced to throw the football. You can't go back to the scheme and the game plan you had in place based on what you were getting prepared to do during a, for that game. But when you're in that long and down and distance situations, the, the, the Atlanta Falcons end up winning because they took them out of their comfort zone, which I think they shouldn't have played in that fashion. Anyway, they should have forced their hand of running the football and making this defense have to play physical. But once they saw that they were, they weren't able to, to get any yardage similar to what they were doing with Ezekiel Elliott, I think they deviated from the, the, the game plan that I thought they should have stuck with just a little bit longer and maybe adding another back or two into the mix to help out Alfred Morris. So I just think Atlanta just took them completely off their off their spot and forced them to have to play a different style of football, which we saw Dak Prescott get sacked five times and, and, and was, I think, a total of nine, correct me if I'm wrong, got sacked nine times, but five by one guy. And so and it came from off of the left side of the field where they, we saw Chaz Green filling in. Uh, for the for the pro bowler and Tyron Smith, the left tackle out of USC. So it, it's pretty tough to see that happen. But I think this bed, this bed that was made for them, they're going to have to lay in it, and it's going to be tough laying in it moving forward considering how they're either going to have to adjust or continue to take this type of pressure from defenses, which we know this defense we're about to see in Philadelphia, it's much better than this defense in the Atlanta Falcons. Taking you around the league with Cordell Stewart, my co-host on NFL No Huddle. Join us tomorrow every weekday, 4 p.m. Eastern, three big hours of NFL conversation. Tomorrow among our scheduled guests, Charles Davis of Fox Sports and NFL Network and Chris Mortensen of ESPN. And Cordell, when we chat with Mort, we could be talking about a coaching change in New York. Your 49ers got their first win of the year against the Giants. And San Francisco piled up almost 500 yards of total offense. Is it time for a coaching change in New York now? Well, you know, you and I talked about this before. I think when he called out the center and also called out uh, Eli Manning on that, what, that on the goal line, on the one-yard line when he had to delay a game and he called him out by name, uh, I was like, this is not going in the right direction. And and then all of a sudden you end up seeing other players get suspended indefinitely to injuries to this football team and, I just saw a lot just taking place before my eyes. That's totally that's been totally different for a team like this Giants team, uh, considering the time in which they were under Tom Coughlin. This is a totally different football team. I think the message is lost. Yes, I think it's time for a change. Uh, why not? It can't get any. It can't get any worse than this. Um, well, the San Francisco 49ers beat them, and that was the team that I was going for. I said they're going to get the first win this year, maybe the only win. But this was the time to get one because this team is just. Really, in, in such a 
a bad situation right now in a sense of direction. And uh, if there's a time to do it, I think this is the time to do it. I, if you have an interim coach till the end of the year, you have to assume it's going to get worse. But either way, the cut go, whether it's now or at the end of the season, you know Ben McAdoo should not and will not be the head coach for the Giants moving forward to the 2018 season. All right, Cordell, let's move to your Pittsburgh Steelers. We, we My see, man. We've seen at the beginning of the season they had their issues, uh, interpolations inside the locker room. It seemed like the production on the field got on track, but today they started out kind of slow against the Colts, and uh, let's, a late surge allowed them to go ahead and secure the win. What's going on with your Pittsburgh Steelers, and why is there so much inconsistency? Well, it's just it's just who they are for some reason. And, and my thing is, is you try to get a dose of Le'Veon Bell on a consistent basis, and I know the record with the Steelers against Indy. You end up believing the hype of that, and, and this team actually came out and scared the Pittsburgh Steelers, to be honest with you, held them to three points in the first half. Uh, I thought it was going to be one of those cases and situations where this team was actually going to lose against a tough and struggling team in Indy. You saw Antonio Brown having a pass right there at his grasp. He looked like he felt the safety coming from the inside, so he tried to extend his hands to catch the football. So as he caught it, he could have gone out of bounds. Uh, you saw interceptions being had uh, when Martavis Bryant could have gone up and caught the ball at the highest point, but instead he allowed the defender to run under the football, and he thinking the ball would have fell into the bread basket uh, with Martavis Bryant. So but the best thing about this is they, they, they gathered themselves, they, they, they got themselves back in position to, to try to win this football game. And that's just Pittsburgh, man. They, you know, over the years when you were playing with other teams from afar, Nick, I know you saw this team playing very ugly. I mean, I was a part of those teams too that were playing ugly wins. Ugly. Ugly. ugly wins, right? And, and, and the thing about it is when it comes to the Pittsburgh Steelers, nothing has ever been pretty. I'm going to tell you firsthand when I was there, even the time when I was playing a slash role, it never was pretty. We lost Neil O'Donnell and Mike Tomczak comes in. We lost Charles Johnson. I had to come in. I mean, it's it just a combination. We lost Rob Wilson, a Hall of Famer. And then Cornell Lake had to come in with, with Darren Perry. You have to play another position. So it was a multitude of things that, that happened and still does happen in an organization. But when they win, sometimes winning is good enough because now they're the, they have the best record in the AFC right now. Of course, we're going to get an opportunity to get a chance to see how that actually unfolds as we watch the game tonight against the, uh, when the New England Patriots play against the Broncos and Brock Osweiler making a statement. What a fine time to get the New England Patriots. How about that dude, huh? This dude got some real big ones, to be honest with you, to come out and make a statement like that. Knowing that this dude played so bad in, in Houston, how he played last week, and now you're asking for this from this team? But, he, but hey, on, listen, but remember the last time he was with the Denver Broncos, he did, in fact, uh, beat. Tom yeah. Brady and these New England Patriots. Overtime. So, hey, yeah. yeah, and overtime. Nick, and, and here's my question to follow up on that. What happened since to Brock Osweiler? It's been pretty bad for that guy. I mean, and, and all of a sudden he goes to Cleveland, it gets worse. And then he comes and played his first game against Philly, got even worse. I mean, hey, look, take your time. I get it. Hey, that's if a I'm sta- Brock Osweiler, take your time. But that's a staple win for him. So he's going into tonight's game with that on his mind and letting that be a confidence booster for him. Well, I tell you, you know, it's selective memory. Huh? <laughs> it's selective memory, isn't it? <laughs> so, hey, I'm just saying, it's selective memory because, hey, look here. I, Brian and I, we talk about this continuously on our show when it comes down to how Brock Osweiler played. And, yeah, we saw Trevor Simeon struggle. And, of course, we got to the point where we say, you know what, let's, 
let's give him one more chance, right? And all of a sudden, he he loses the game that he actually played. I think it was against, what, Kansas City. And then all of a sudden, the, the obvious had to come about, which is Brock Osweiler playing. But let me give you guys a good case here. And I'm not talking about in the courtroom. I'm talking about Case Keenum. Right, stop, this stop, dude stop. gave four touchdowns. He had two turnovers, which almost turned the game around. But yet, this Minnesota Vikings team is still playing good. I'm sorry. I had to interject with no, that. No, no, Go ahead, perfect. Brian. I was, I was going to do that for you, but I was going to set it up a little bit more kindly as we <laughs> take you around. Of course you are. Cordell Stewart, I have to give you credit. Case Keenum played well, although you hit on the, yeah, but four touchdown passes, best in his career, but his picks made it interesting. What do you think Mike Zimmer's doing at the quarterback position in the month of December? He better leave it the way it is. If he wants to continue to win, the momentum, the energy, the continuity, I think even Case Keenum is, is, is hearing the buzz of him maybe not having an opportunity to start because Teddy Bridgewater is healthy. And I think he's playing with a little attitude. If you watch him walk on the sideline, high-fiving guys, you know, he's feeling like, you know what? I earned this opportunity. I didn't just been, I've been given this, but by default because of injuries, which is a part of the game, but truthfully, the way I played, I feel like I, sh- I belong out here. Now, yes, there, were, there was one interception he threw away, he threw it up in the air. I'm like, really, bro? Like, seriously? And then all of a sudden he throws another one, but yet he held on and they end up finishing strong in the very end of that. But I tell you, man, what they're asking him to do, I think as far as the call of duty, I think he's doing, he's doing good and even beyond good when it comes down to what he's doing and what they're asking him to do. So he's not being a, let's just say, a manager of the game. He's making throws. He's threading the needles. He's scrambling and making plays with his feet. So he's playing a game like he belongs. I know it's hard to to have that conversation with you, Brian, about Case Keenum. But, you know, I've been a Case Keenum fan for a long time. And so I have a case right here. And that's a case for the Minnesota Vikings that this guy should stay in the game and not come out at all. Cordell, if you have a case of Case Keenum, see your physician. You got real problems, all right? Hey, I tell you what, (laughs) when I give my physician an opportunity to see what Case Keenum has done this year, he say, you know what, you have a bit bill of good cases going on here. Because this guy's playing that really good. But I wouldn't go. I would not go to Teddy Bridgewater right now to think he's going to come off of off of the bench after being gone for a year and a half and, and just jump on the football field and find that chemistry right now, with which I think this team is playing well off of one another. I mean, Kendricks, think about the think about the, the big play by Thompson that ended up that Chris Thompson that was actually made. He stumbles because he gives him a stutter move at the line of scrimmage and he stumbles. If he makes a play and plays him tight like we've seen him do against defense, against offensive players as fast as he is, I don't think that play is made. But again, that's why you play the game. But the beauty of this is this team has gone on the road, got a phenomenal win, and I think for most it justifies why I think if we want to say for another week and we want to say for another two weeks that Case Keenum still belongs on the field, allow Teddy Bridgewater to get even healthier than what he is, get his legs under him from a football standpoint, and if he's needed, which is a great problem for Minnesota, he's prepared and ready to play. Cordell, usually what you know is said about dome teams, they don't play good, uh, play well outside in inclement weather. Right. Uh, Sean Payton and the Saints are 4-7 and seven when playing in inclement mm. weather. But they go to Buffalo, and they hand Buffalo a whipping. And this was a Buffalo team that many thought that would challenge the New England Patriots for that AFC East division after watching that game and seeing – what Mark Ingram was able to do to that revamped Buffalo Bills uh, defense. Are you all in 
on New Orleans Saints, their rejuvenated defense, and their seven-game win streak? I tell you what, man, it's hard to not be considering what we see going on, one, in that division, and two, what this defense is able to do. I mean, they held this team to 10 points when you think about it. I mean, on, on in the six games that they've won, they've held everyone to 15. Now you add this 10, it goes down to, what, about 13 points now. So it, it's steadily getting better. And guess what? Drew Brees did not throw a touchdown in this game. He didn't throw a touchdown. So this was done by everyone else other than the quarterback. What, he threw for 184 yards? He ran one I mean, in, though. On. He had a mobility moment, not a rushing touchdown. But that speaks to what you're talking about. They're getting yeah. it done on the ground. They're getting it done on the ground, Brian. And his defense also is being able to go out and get some sacks. I mean, they rushed for, what, 298 yards? I mean, that's that's this round. You know what? For the Saints, because they don't do this often, I'm rounding it up. It's 300-yard rushing day. Okay, for the New Orleans Saints, normally when this team wins offensively in a sense of what they do, how they go about their business, it's done by that guy number nine. I hope I got his number right. The name is Drew Brees. It's about as cool as it gets, right? But yet, again, he gets one on the ground, as you mentioned, Brian. And this is, to me, sending out signals to teams, especially, as you mentioned, Nick, they don't teams that play in a dome don't have an opportunity, Minnesota, New Orleans, Go out in the areas where it's cold and, and playing inclement weather well. Both these teams did, and especially the New Orleans Saints. So it, it, hats off to the Saints. They're playing good. I am drinking the Kool-Aid, to be honest with you, not because I'm from the city, but when you look at the other teams within this division, you tell me who's playing better football right now overall as a team to the point where they're capable of putting up 50 points, 47 points, 30-plus points. Who else is scoring like that in that division, let alone in the conference? The other team is the Rams, but that's another conversation for another day. The NFL is on TuneIn. First and goal with Brian Weber and Nick Ferguson. Hear every score as it happens live every Sunday throughout the season from 1 to 8 p.m. Eastern.